This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your boy, Luther Maddy, a.k.a. Big Lou, and you're listening to Inside the Tunnel. Get out of here and get something cold to drink. <laughs> Y'all want to, too. You know it. All right. Let it rip. Let it rip. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? We are back with Inside the Tunnel, joined tonight by a very special guest, former Virginia Tech defensive tackle Luther Maddie is with us tonight. Luther, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just, just got back home not too long ago. Can't complain, man. I'm doing all right. Perfect. And we are also joined by Doug Bowman. Doug, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not. The, I'm. I'm usually the star of this show, but this one's for <laughs> Luther. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna bow out here. <laughs> Luther is definitely the star of the show tonight. Back when I attended Virginia Tech, he was the man on campus, the guy doing all the right things, the leader of the Virginia Tech football program. So we just want to dive inside the mind of Luther Maddie. Let's start from way back, from the beginning, from high school. You put a lot of pressure on your shoulders to get a full scholarship and provide for your family. You were doing all the right things on the football field, but how difficult was the recruiting process for you knowing that you were doing the right things, the production was there, but the recognition from universities didn't really show? Yeah, man, it was, it was tough because I guess I was sort of a, a late bloomer. I didn't really start taking football too serious until probably my uh, junior year in high school. And even then, I'm kind of smaller in stature. Um, I was about, I guess, closer to six foot and about 270. So not too small, but I kind of came on a recruiting trail late. Um, I said I took football seriously a little bit later in high school. So it was, it was kind of interesting, but I understand it because it was kind of on me, um, the fact that I waited so long to kind of take the game seriously. So I understand why coaches didn't really know who I was. But the fact that, you know, Tech and teams like Marshall and Washington and the FAU, the fact that they even took a chance on me meant a lot to me. I remember when I got my very first offer, offer I think it was from Marshall, and I was literally ecstatic. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was a lot of pressure. Uh, my, my family, I'm Haitian. We, we didn't really grow up with too much, so I kind of took it upon myself to try to provide and find different ways of doing so. So I was really locked in my senior year and tried to make plays and do things right in school, got my grades right, and Kind of worked out eventually at the end. Got my offer the day before signing day, so it worked out eventually. So Luther, you had a pretty unique recruiting process, I'd say. Most most recruits these days kind of get recruited throughout the year, um, and you you got a lot of attention late there in January in the last couple weeks. So what was mm-hmm. when when a recruiting process starts that late? What are the what are the schools talking to you about? when they have three weeks to build a relationship with you as opposed to the other guys that they were talking to all year long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely interesting recruiting process. So because Tech came in so late, um, I sort of already had, I guess, a backup plan. So I had school even, so I had schools like West Virginia and Marshall 
they kind of came in more towards, you know, I guess I went to the middle of my senior season, so not as late as Tech. And I actually took a visit to Western Michigan um, towards the end of our season in January. So I kind of got familiar with them. So what I did was I knew I wanted to go to Tech. I knew we had a pipeline. We had guys like Brandon Flowers and David Clowney. Um, Mark Lee, I was there at the time. All those guys spoke highly of Tech. So I knew I wanted to go there. But at the same time, I kind of had West Virginia in my back pocket. I mean, West, Western Michigan in my back pocket. I was like, shoot, if I don't go to Tech, you know, I know Western Michigan wants me bad. Um, I hate to kind of have them waiting for me. I kind of felt bad the way I did it, but I kind of gave them a, a soft verbal that I was coming there. At the same time, I knew I was waiting for that Tech offer to come through. And then we had guy, I think it was Stefan Anthony for Clemson. He was, he was right. committed to us at one point. I, I think that's who it was. Anyways, he decommitted, so a scholarship opened up, and I was like, hey, I got to take this, this tech scholarship. Coach Wallace called me. He told me he was going to offer me. I took it, and I kind of immediately told West Michigan, hey, I, I'm going with tech. So kind of kind of weird on my part, but they kind of knew where I wanted to go. I, I didn't really blindside them exactly, right. but they did know that I wanted to go to, to Virginia Tech. So, yeah, it was definitely interesting, but I'm, really, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Me and Daddy came in there together, and we did our thing. So, so you were from Atlantic High School in Delray Beach, and you mentioned it. That's where Brandon Flowers, J. Ron Hosley, Mark Leal, David Clowney went. As people talk a lot, mm-hmm. particularly with Virginia Tech recruiting Florida, um, about pipeline schools and areas where they, where they've had success, and they kind of keep going back. So, how important? How important was that familiarity with Virginia Tech as far as you know, trusting that that was going to be the right place for you? Oh, yeah, it meant a lot. It meant, it meant dividends. Um, just because, you know, those guys have the same background that I have, especially J-Ron. Me and J-Ron actually live in the same neighborhood. We <laughs> we not really, I wouldn't say we were really close, close growing up. He's a couple of years older. But, you know, we hung out here and there, and, you know, we had the same mindset, trying to provide for our family. kind of came from a somewhat tough situation growing up. So the fact that he trusted us, he went there, and he found success, and when I reached out to him and spoke to him about the atmosphere, the you know how it was up there, he he had a lot of good things to say. So I think he was very instrumental in me and Daddy coming to Tech. And also the fact that Daddy was also getting recruited, that played a major part as well because, you know, he's my boy. We came up together throughout elementary school, got closer in high school. So we found an opportunity to go there together to, a you know, a major school. So the fact that they offered both of us at the same time, uh, not the same time, but they offered both of us that same year, Jaron went there, had a lot of good things to say about it. That pipeline meant a whole lot. And I think that's very important when it comes to things like this. Because I'll often be at Tech, like this past season, I'll be at Tech, and I was doing radio, sports broadcasting. You could just tell that's what the fans are looking for. They're looking for a former player or somebody that's been there, just looking for, like, word of mouth. I mean, you can trust the coaches on the recruiting visits, and, you know, you, you guys text and talk, blah, blah, blah. But it just really comes down to guys that were actually there and experienced it. Like, what did they have to say about it? So. I think it means a whole lot when it comes to recruiting in football. I want to talk about the first time you really started playing for Virginia Tech. You talked about it, and you get a late scholarship offer. You thought you were going to Western Michigan. All of a sudden, you're on the plane. You're going to Blacksburg, and you're starting a lot of games your freshman year. And you made a trip all the way to the Sugar Bowl against Michigan what was it like in that moment or throughout the entire season realizing that you went from a dream to playing it out? Oh, man, I kid you not. When you just 
explain that whole situation. I got the shivers. <laughs> it's so crazy because, you know, I just, I mean, I guess you, you dream about it and you're, you know, you have, you're positive and you're hopeful. But I just didn't see that happening the way it did. Like, I knew I was competitive. I wanted to go in there and prove people wrong. You know, the two-star, blah, blah. I wanted to kind of be that guy that kind of did his thing. But I didn't see me starting all those games and, you know, getting some freshman All-American accolades with guys like the Davion Clowney and Marquise Lee. Like, I remember seeing them on the recruiting sites, like the, the top prospects coming out. And here I am on the same, you know, the same, like, uh, blog, whatever it was, or paper, getting mentioned with, with guys like that. So, man, it was crazy. But at the same time, I worked for it. I put in the work. You know, I came in as a freshman. When guys would go out and, like, you know, kind of party and play video games, I'd be at McComas, you know, kind of working on doing my doing my own thing, jogging, running a couple of miles, lifting weights. So, at the same time, I was kind of surprised, but, you know, I put in the work. So, I know it was deserved. I, I prayed about it a lot. Uh, I had my family, you know, give me positive light and gave me that good motivational talk all the time. And it worked out the way it's supposed to. Man. I, I kid you not, it didn't just happen. I had to go get it, honestly. I know I had Antoine, he got hurt, and a couple guys got hurt as well, but I was able to take advantage of the opportunity and make the best out of it. Side note, I know I mentioned Michigan Sugar Bowl. Like a freshman dream, yeah. anyone's dream really, doesn't matter your class. But do you yeah. remember that game? Do you remember if Danny Cole might have caught that ball? <laughs> Danny definitely caught that ball. Like, there's no no ifs or ands or buts about it. I was watching a <laughs> clip actually two, two weeks ago, and I saw like a still picture. That that ball is caught. Like, it's, it's just so crazy to me. But I remember every, I, don't, I could probably say I remember every single game of that play. Like, that's how in awe that I was. I think that's probably the loudest, well, one of the loudest stadiums I played in. I, we played Bama, was pretty loud up in Georgia. But, yeah, it was crazy. Um, it was so crazy. Uh, what's the guy's name? Was it, uh, was it Dev, Devin Robinson? Something Robinson, the quarterback. Uh, Denard Robinson, yeah. Denard, Denard Robinson. That game was so crazy. I could, he shook me out of my shoes that first drive. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a wide open sack, and I was just like, I'm about to make this sack. I'm really here. Everybody's watching. You know, I'm about to make a big time play. I'm starting in the Sugar Bowl. Give me a little two piece and shoot me out my shoes. <laughs> so I had to kind of, you know, simmer down a little bit and calm down. And I started playing better. But yeah, it was a lot, of, lot going on that game for sure. All right. So we'll fast forward a couple years here after after that Sugar Bowl year, 2014, which I believe was your senior, your true senior year. Um, you tore the meniscus in your knee against East Carolina. And then, and then you actually played the next week on it, um, but then had a second a sur- second surgery that ended basically ended your season, and you got the medical red shirt to come back in 2015. What were the conversations like, kind of during that period where you're trying to figure out whether it's worth it to get the surgery and come back next year or fight through it for the rest of 2014? Oh yeah, that was that was a really tough part. It was actually a dark, I was in a dark place too because I also had a pretty had a pretty good junior year, and I really thought about leaving that year uh, after my me and Kashan, Kashan Jared, one of my, still one of my close friends. We had, we were texting like almost every day, like should we leave? Should we come back? Should we leave? Should we come back? And decided to come back, and I get hurt, and I was just like, wow, I put in all this work and. You know, I was trying to have this great senior year or whatever, and I get hurt. So I was in a dark place there as far as conversations go. I I thought about just kind of getting the surgery, 
and still, you know, leaving and not coming back for that redshirt year. It was a it was a thought on my mind, but at the same time, I was like, no, you know, we got a pretty good team here. I think we have a chance to to get to the ship. I really thought we had that chance, and I wanted to be a leader for the team. Uh, I took that role really serious. I think that's one of the bigger reasons because I felt like I already was a leader, and I I know I could come back next year and play a bigger role and be a you know big time leader and really get us to the ACT ACT championship and hopefully the national championship. Obviously, it didn't happen that way, but. I think that's really what made me come back. That's my teammates. I know I couldn't just leave them out there hanging. I know I had a lot to offer. Um, obviously, as far as the draft goes, I know I needed some more tape as well. Although I could have probably still came out and went, you know, in the lower rounds. I think it's really just me, me seeing my teammates with the potential they had and the coaching staff we had, talking to them, Coach Foster, Coach Wild, Coach Beans. I think it was my best interest to still take that medical and come back the, the following year. So you you tore uh, your meniscus in your knee and then played against Georgia Tech, right? Yeah, so I I tore my meniscus and I had some sort of cartilage damage in my right yeah my right knee, um, but it didn't seem as bad then. So I kind of just like you know I still want to play Georgia Tech, the ACC opponent. At that point, we still had Nigel Nigel Williams and Woody Barron behind me, but they didn't really have that much experience against a team like Georgia Tech. Right. If you guys yeah. watch Georgia Tech, yeah, if you know they're obviously on a crazy, wonky offense. So I was like, there's no way I could let these boys kind of just jump in the fire. Because, you know, playing against them, playing defense, it's really about those two guys in the interior to be put the tackles. I know me and Derek, Derek Hawkins, we did, a, we did a good job the previous couple of years. And I don't know if I was to leave and kind of just leave Corey and Derek. Corey's already a smaller guy. And then have guys like Nigel and Nigel and Woody in there that don't have too much experience. I like, they could get ugly really quick. So, like, now nah, I got to play. So, I told, go forth and those boys, like, I want to play, man. Like, just kind of figure it out, get it get it calmed down, get the swelling down a little bit, and let me let me get in the game. And I played, I played decent. Not, I didn't make too much, too many productive plays, but I played well enough. Um, we still took the L, but, you know, I think it was worth it. Honestly, I think it was worth it. It kind of. Cause, you know, I wanted to play, and I did. I did, I did the best I could. And I'm just knowing that I did the best I could was enough for me. Um, obviously, we didn't pull through and get the W, but, but yeah. So, so it's fair to say that current defensive linemen at Virginia Tech are really thrilled that Georgia Tech doesn't run that offense anymore. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I was so pissed when he decided to leave <laughs> after I left. I was like, "Come on, bro! You should have been retired." Like. <laughs> Come on, man. But yeah, those guys will never understand what it was like playing against G Tech. Every single time I played them, I had some sort of like thigh bruise or my ankles was all messed up. My my knees was kind of swell, swelling up. So definitely a blessing. I I want to say a blessing, but you know it's definitely a good thing he's not there anymore. That crazy offense. So I w- so I want to know. You played under Frank Beamer and Bud Foster. Like, forget about Virginia Tech. They are two of the most iconic coaches in college football. What was it like playing for those two guys? And what was maybe your favorite memory of each of them? Oh, man, it was, it was crazy. I think more so with Coach Foster, just because, you know, Coach Beans was more so doing his, you know, he's a head coach, obviously, so there's some interaction. But I dealt the most with Coach Foster. And just seeing the way he paid attention to detail, um, that that played dividends in my life even today. Because I'm I'm working, I work I'm living on Lynchburg now. I do, I do leasing and marketing for a property management company. I have my own small business. 
And things that I learned from Coach Foster, I could teach to my kids and to my grandkids, like, you know, like finishing through the line. Like, if, you, if you're doing a sprint, you finish, like, two inches short. That's the difference between, you know, a touchdown or you getting a sack. Like, things like that, I'll carry on forever. And just to see him, the way he, the way he focused and noticed things and the way he's able to relate to people and kind of talk to people and make them feel comfortable and understanding, that meant a lot, man, especially when I was a young boy coming all the way from South Florida to, to Virginia, never been out of the state until then. So the, way, the fact that he, he trusted me to be on his defense and be a starter and the way he spoke to me, the way he cared about me, that meant a lot, man. As far as memories go with Coach Foster, um, nothing really crazy, honestly. Honestly, he was a very intense coach. You know, he took up a lot of intensity and he was really aggressive. So this kind of him snapping <laughs> Snapping at guys or snapping at some of the coaches. That was always funny, but I don't really have a crazy story, quite honestly, with Coach Foster. I can't really think of nothing right now. And with Coach Beamer, same thing. Um, he, he's one of those, he's really a player's coach, really cared about you, wanted to know how your day was going, wanted to know how your family was going. Um, he remembered small things. Like when I was, he, he brought up something that I did when I was, when I was getting recruited on the phone. And I, he brought it up like, few years later, I was like, what? I would never think that that small interaction between a, a two-star guy that was on the mend of getting a scholarship, you remember things like that. Like that. So that meant a lot to me. You didn't really care about where you're from, the stars, the rankings, nothing, your size. If he could play, he could play. If you're a good person, you know, he's going to show you love. He's going he's gonna to try to get the best out of you. So those guys taught me a lot. Um, I, I still use the tools they taught me back when I was in school today in my professional career, and I'll use some of those things to teach to my kids when I when I have some kids in a few years. So, so obviously you played defensive tackle under under Charlie Wiles was the defensive line coach. He's not he's now the de- defensive line coach over at NC State. But what as far as just clearly under the new defensive line coach, things will change as far as responsibilities. But what are the keys to playing a deep playing defensive tackle in general? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I have a small business called Mattis where I train athletes. And it's funny you said that because I was just talking to one of my athletes yesterday at our training session in regards to playing deep tackle. And for me, I think the biggest key is your, your get-off, like your eyes, your anticipation, things like that. I think those things all fall into one thing, getting up on the ball and being disruptive. Um, you may not be the biggest guy. You may not be the strongest. But if you kind of anticipate the snap count or if you kind of, if you're a twitchy guy, you see the ball move and you move, your, your reaction's on point, you're focused, you're locked in. If you just got, kind of get back to, you know, get on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage and cause havoc, that plays dividends for your defense. I mean, I know there are sometimes when I play, I may, I may have, I may be responsible for the A gap, but I might have ended up in the B gap, but I disrupted the play. I opened up the gap for my linebacker, for my defensive end, and they made the play for me. So um, I think the biggest key is being disruptive, being relentless, um, get off on the ball, read your keys, get get in the backfield, you know, reestablish the line of scrimmage, cause havoc. You know, if you can do things like that, a defensive tackle, it'll really open up holes for a lot of some of the other players on your defense. So I want to get your thoughts on your post-Virginia Tech playing career. You go to the NFL Combine. What did that teach you? What was that experience like? I know you tried out for the Saints. You played in the Canadian Football League for a little bit. 
Was it a difficult transition to professional football after dominating in college at Virginia Tech? Yes, it, it definitely was. Um, but back to the first part of the question, in regards to the combine, that was really difficult for me because I had the injury my senior year, and I chose to um, train out of one of the top, you know, the top training facilities in the country with Exos and um, Northern Florida and Pensacola. So, and I was hurt the whole time. Like I had the knee injuries that I told you guys about. Um, I had the knee, I had the knee surgery on my right knee, but I had a surgery on my left knee. Literally, I think a month before the combine, or like two or three weeks before the East West All Star Shrine Game. So it was a difficult process for me because I was hurt. Both my knees was hurting. Um, I, I actually tweaked something in my rotator cup as I was training up there in Exos. So I had all those things going on. So when I went to the combine, I was just like a piece of glass broken. Like I couldn't do nothing. All I did was a bench press. Um, I had a few interviews, but I couldn't do none of the on-the-field stuff. I was walking around with the limp. <laughs> like, it was it was really frustrating. I didn't really have a good experience at all, quite honestly, at the combine. Um, I was still grateful that I went. I met a lot of cool guys. Uh, met some legendary coaches. It was, you know, obviously cool talking to them, but it was just frustrating I do being able to participate and showcase my skills. So it was an interesting process in regards to me going to the combine, but to jump from college football to the NFL, I mean, quite honestly, it wasn't that large of a jump. Like, everybody, I guess because I just, I kind of trusted my ability. I know I'm talented, so I'm not going to back down to anybody. Um, I'm not sure about the other positions, but playing defensive tackle, it wasn't that hard of adjustment. You know, just read your keys. As I mentioned earlier, get up on the ball, use your hands, use your eyes, and make a play. And that's all I, that's all I did. Although I wasn't playing, obviously, the starters during camp, I was kind of playing some of the backups because I got there later in camp. I still didn't see it. It wasn't moving too fast. It wasn't like, you know, I didn't know I was kind of a deer in the headlights. You know, it was a pretty easy transition for me. I wish I... I didn't get hurt. I actually went to the camp with the Saints, as you mentioned, and I ended up tearing my pecs up there. That was like my fourth, in, third, fourth injury in just two years. So they let me go. But I know for a fact, if I, if I didn't get hurt, I would have definitely made that team. I know that for sure. Yeah, you're talking about it now, and it's just crazy to me just with these injuries. It's like you have an opportunity there, but just after a series of unfortunate events, you just can't catch a break. And that's all it takes for the NFL to say, we're going to look at the next guy. So it's crazy to hear that from you, that all those things that you had to go through. Yeah, man, it's tough. But the thing is, when, when I did get hurt, I didn't really take it personal. Because I'm one of those guys, I kind of I think I, I kind of got this from Coach Beans, actually. I always like to put myself in other people's shoes. So I looked at it from their perspective. If this guy's had three knee surgeries and he just tore his pec, I mean, I don't think I'd really invest in him neither. So I understand it. It made sense of why they let me go. They actually sat down with me, talked to me one on one like a man. They didn't kind of, they didn't just shoot me a text. My team in the CFO actually did that to me. That was that was dirty. Throw that out there. But mm. <laughs> the thing, they actually sat, they actually sat down with me, told me, hey, you know, you, you think you're a player, but the injuries are piling up. You know, we just can't do this right now. We drafted two defensive tackles or one defensive end slash three tackles. So it made sense. I understood. I didn't I didn't leave out of there feeling salty or, oh, I hate the Saints. I would talk bad on them. They, they showed me love and they sat down with me and broke it down with me. And I understand the process. So, you know, it's a business. At the end of the day, if you got all these injuries, I don't think I'd want to invest thousands of dollars in that guy neither. So it's all right, man. It happens. 
I had my opportunity. Injuries started piling up, but I, I did the best I could. I think that's kind of what gives me a sense of relief is the fact that I literally left it all out there. I wasn't out there just taking plays off or going through the motions. I was actually going hard, and it just didn't work out for me. The thing I really like about your story in general, it's like there's so many times you're faced with adversity, and then you overcome it. You put in the work. You reap the rewards of it, the benefits of it. But, you know, after your playing days, like, tell us about what you're doing right now. And I have to say, like, you see a lot of stories about other football players. All they know is ball. All they know is, you know, trying to be the best in that sport. And then they don't know what to do once they put up the pads for the final time. But I got to say, like, you look really good. You got the post playing day glow up and you seem to have a lot of things going on. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, it was tough. Quite honestly, I was talking to my wife about it a few weeks ago. It's still kind of rough not playing ball anymore. But nowadays, um, I'm, I work for a small company called Stuart Langley Property, which is property management or real estate. And I do all that. We have about 20 different properties. I do all of the leasing and marketing. So it's a sales job. And, you know, it keeps me, I'm real competitive. So it's a great position for me. I've actually been the top leaser the past 14 months. So basically ever since I started. Nice. So that's been, yeah, that's been going well. And then I also got my small business, Mad Assist, in which I do the sports broadcasting, host events. Um, I train other athletes in the Lynchburg area and I also sell apparel. So I got my entrepreneurship stuff going on and I'm in a competitive career with, with, with real estate. And life of the football was tough. Cause I still, even now when I watch the football games, like let's say I'm watching a pro game or, Let's say I go up, I'm driving up to Tech from Lynchburg, so like an hour and a half drive, and I'm thinking about, you know, the game plan today and stuff like that. I kind of struggle because I'm like, I could literally be out here dominating these guys. Like, I watch some of these NFL games. I'm like, come on, man. Like, no knock on them, but I know for a fact I could go out there and make some plays. So me just trying to stand there and seeing these guys out there taking plays off and not don't look too – I mean, they made a team, so obviously they got some sort of talent, but I know I could do better. So I sometimes here and there I'll struggle with that, watching football, but I kind of just jump back to the thought like, hey, man, give the best you, give the best you can, move on, and just make the best of your opportunities now. So last question from me, and then I think we're going to jump into some, some fan questions if you have time, but Justin Hamilton was promoted to replace – Bud Foster um, after the season in December. Obviously, a former Virginia Tech player was there a little little before you. But what are your thoughts overall on 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 Jay Ham coming in as defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think it was a good hire. Um, quite honestly, I was I was kind of surprised myself just because of I guess the lack of experience. But I still think it was a good hire. I've been around the program all season last year. And I could tell the coach, I could tell the players they they have a lot of respect for him. Um, even guys that don't play defensive back, you know, you, you got guys playing linebacker and defensive line. They'll come up to Coach Ham. I'm just watching them come up to Coach Ham, dapping them up, trying to you know talk to them about the game plan. So honestly, him being a former player means a lot. I spoke about this briefly when it came to recruiting. How you know guys that been that have been to the school, played the game, you know, hearing from them. Guys like like uh, Daron Hosley meant a lot to me coming to Tech. So him being a former player and actually playing for the Hokies, shuffling up the pads, I think that means a lot to the guys. Like my motivation was the way that Coach Foster spoke to me. 
you just found creative ways to kind of get your attention and get you dialed in. And I'll, I'm sure Coach Emerson used some of the same things, but the fact that he played the game and he knows what it takes to be out there on that field, that means a whole lot. I can't tell you how much that means. Um, I know when I played, we had guys like Cornell Brown and Torian Gray. I would always come up to Coach Brown and talk to him about, man, I had a rough practice. You know, things didn't really go well. I had a, I had a hard time at school. I failed this test. I'm not sure what I'm going to do next week in regards to this class. And they can relate to things like that. Like, they were just there not too long ago. There's so much that happens outside of football that these guys can relate to that mean a lot to your success on the football field. So, you know, I think it's a good hire. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do next year. Um, I think we have potential, potential to be a really great defense in the ACC next year. All right. The first question is from Hustla43. How do you feel about the current defensive line coaches? How do you feel about Bill <laughs> Tierlink and Daryl Tapp? And did you, have you had any interactions with them? Well, first of all, shout out to that guy's name that asked the question. <laughs> shout out to him. But, um, yeah, I thought his interaction was, was deep tap. I haven't spoken to Tickle like at all. I don't really know him well. But just looking at his resume, and I know some guys that played for the Bills, they're talking to them. They had a lot of good things to say about him. Very knowledgeable. Um, he brings some. He brings that high energy. You know, he's a younger guy, so he understands what it's like to, you know, come out to practice and try to try to get things going. So I don't know, I don't know too much about Tiggerling, but I've spoken to guys that know him well or played for him and they had a lot a lot of good things to say about him. So I trust their word. And as far as Z Tap, man, he's basically the GOAT of the defensive line room. Like he's done so many great things. I think he's the only person that actually has a lunch pill, right? Z Tap, I'm pretty sure Coach Wallace yeah. actually gave him one of the lunch pills. So that speaks a lot. Um I know when I was at school, he's one of the guys I kinda looked up to. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be you know, a great person on the court, you know, on the football field and off the football field. So in regards to him actually coaching, he knows a whole lot. Um, I think he's really great when it comes to hand usage, you know, where to place your hands as far as on the shoulder pads, on that pec, on their shoulder, their wrist. I know he's, he's going to do a lot, of, a, a lot in regards to things like that. So I'm really excited for those two guys, and I think they'll do great, quite honestly. I'm really excited about TAP, though, a whole lot. The next question we have is from Die Hard Hokey. He wants to know what was your favorite win and what was the toughest loss? Ooh, favorite win. I think my favorite win would be my last my last game, the bowl game against Tulsa. Um, it was my last game being a Hokey, and it was also Coach Beamer's last game being a head coach for the Virginia Tech Hokey. So the way that game played out was crazy. Like it was a high scoring game. And that last drive, I either had a sack or I assisted on those last two sacks. Um, there was a sack before before that last play where he ran a stunt and I got to the QB. And then there was another, that last play of the game, me and Daddy ran a stunt and Daddy got to the QB. So the fact that my boy got the sack and we did it for Coach Beamer and it was, you know, our last game, that was crazy. So I think that was my, my favorite win against Tulsa my senior year. And the toughest loss. It can't be UVA because that didn't happen. No, nah, I wanted to say I felt like I was on the field. I was about to say UVA. I felt like I was out there playing with them boys. Um, toughest loss. Oh, I'm gonna just throw one out there. When we played Bama in Georgia, that loss, that loss hurt. Just because I know we could have beat them, that loss was like, come on, man. Like, I mean, obviously the Danny Cole catch against Michigan, you know, that was a tough loss as well, but. 
that Bama game, you know, that was a superior, not superior, but it's one of those great teams. You got Coach Saban, all these great athletes. They were on the field, on the same field with them, and we were playing good football, and then they kind of just ran up to, you know, they kind of just got out of control with the special teams. They had a couple kicker chains and power chains that went back for touchdowns, but the fact that we lost that game against Bama, and I know we could have won, that was that was a real tough one for me. So, toughest loss we get against Bama in 2013, and the best best win was against Tulsa in 2015. So, continuing on from diehard Hokey, he asks, "Who is the best offensive lineman you went against in college?" Best offensive lineman, I would say, I think it was my junior year, um, that right guard and that right tackle for Miami. Those, those they were pretty good players. That 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 whole old line really, they kind of gave me fits, and I made some plays. But it was a great matchup that whole game. Um, also, the guy Shaq, I think his name is Shaq Mason for Georgia Tech. He's a yep. good player. I know they run a, a wonky a wonky offense, but his pad level and his strength and the way he moved on that football field, he was, he was a really good player. Um, the one guy for Clemson, he's actually a commentator now for the ACC network. Um, Eric something. Oh yeah. What's McClain. his name? Eric something. He's played, he played at Clemson. I played him a couple of times. He's a good player as well. So yeah, I'll definitely say that. I don't know the two players against Miami. They're, those two guys are really good players. Um, and that guy from Clemson and Shaq Eric, from Georgia Tech. Eric McClain. Yeah. McClain. That's his name. Yeah. He's a good player. He got good feet. All right, the next question, and this is kind of a funny one, from TSL Expat 2014. How many slices of Benny's pizza did you max out in one sitting while at Tech? <laughs> that is so funny. How many slices? I would say I did uh, two and a half. Oh. Yeah, two and a half. I think, I think I've probably done that, too. Two and a half. Yeah, I know. I know. Dax Hollyfield is trying to do the Benny's challenge, which I believe is like eight slices of it. Uh, he couldn't get through it last time, but a lot of people want to see if he can do it the next time. But that's that's too much. Eight slices? No way. Dax ain't doing that, man. That's too much pizza. There's no way. All right. The next question from Hokies Kill Canes. Nice name. Do you see any of the freshman defensive line breaking into the rotation next year? I guess in terms of players that are currently on the roster, current defensive tackles, which game do you like of, of which players? Yeah, as far as the freshmen, like upcoming, the freshmen are just coming in, like the, the guys that just signed. Um, probably one of the defensive ends, um, not, not, the, not the five-star guy, not the four-star guy, the other guy from Texas. I think it's Wooden. Robert Wooden, yeah. Like, yeah, Robert, yeah, him. I like him a lot. He's a player. He's a player. He's relentless. He's one of those guys that any way, any way he finds, he's going to get to the quarterback, get in the backfield. I know I talked about that a lot earlier about getting off on the football and being relentless. That's him. Exactly. That's exactly what Wooden does. So I think he'll try to get some playing time at defensive end. Um, as far as guys, on the defensive line that I like a lot, I would say um, Pollard from Florida, my Florida boy. The way the way he's out, he play, he just plays so free. Like I know I mentioned earlier, like sometimes I'll get up on the ball and I'm supposed to be in the A gap, but I end up in the B gap. Those are things that Pollard does. Like you gotta have instincts. Like you can't out there, you can't be out there and just be a robot. Like oh, this is my gap. I'm a lolly gag and 
win my gap and then boom, plays over. Like, no, you got to go out there and find ways to, to make plays. And Pollard does that. As a, as a freshman, he made a lot of plays in the backfield just off of pure instinct. And now that he has all that, all those games underneath his feet, he's watching more film, he's getting stronger, getting faster, getting more knowledgeable. I think he'll have a breakout season next year at D-Tackle. Just as a follow-up for me on that, how difficult is it as a defensive lineman to play as a, you know, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old freshman? Oh, yeah, that's tough because you're not – typically when you come in, you're not as strong. Like, you may, you might be able to kind of – you know, you might be fast, you might be twitchy, but you just don't have the strength to kind of just hold up on those double teams or if you're playing a zero technique, kind of shed your man and win your gap. You kind of tend to kind of get knocked around a little bit. So – Things that things what Paula did was he was being real instinctive, like he knew how to use his leverage. He wasn't the biggest guy out there, but he knew how to work his angles and use his guy's strength against him. If this guy's leaning too much to the left, he's gonna go ahead and use his power arm and shut him to the right. So you know, just doing things like that can help you win. Um, but it is it is pretty tough coming as a freshman. Just just a matter of the strength, just being able to hold those double teams and, and win your gap. It could it could be pretty tough. The last question comes from Hokey Loki. Favorite memory <laughs> at Virginia Tech outside of football? Favorite memory. To be honest, I mean, I, I know it kind of it may sound weird, but after my senior year, after I got that knee injury, I literally could not lift up my leg. After I got that surgery, like, I remember sitting in my room. I like, just couldn't feel my leg. Like, I couldn't lift it up off the bed. And it was like literally the worst feeling ever. Like I wanted to cry. I think I might have shed a couple of tears, honestly, when I after I got that surgery. Because it's going from being dominant on the football field to now you're in crutches and in a wheelchair, and you gotta kind of you need help to open the the dang refrigerator door. For me, just sitting there and not be able to move my leg was a really really dark place for me. So when I when I finally started getting some motion in there, and I started to recover. I was like, what's wow, the best moment of my life? Like it just it was amazing. So. Me just recovering from that that knee injury after my true senior year um, was a was a really great moment. Um, that's kind of personal though, but in regards to like tech, I guess I would say when I when I graduated, man, like when I got that scholarship, walked across the stage, that meant a lot. Being where I'm from in South Florida, we don't really get opportunities to do things like that. You know, I could have definitely went on the right, the wrong side of town, went the opposite route, and started doing you know bad things back at home. But you know, I decided to go to school took football serious, um, took school serious. And although I didn't, you know, get to play in the league as long as I wanted to, um, I did, I did, I can't say I'm a graduate of the Virginia Tech Hokie. So that meant a lot to me to kind of get my diploma. That is awesome. And Luther, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Honestly, tremendous story. And just hearing how you constantly are able to overcome things is truly inspiring. I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy it. Before we let you go, anything you want to shout, anyone you want to shout out, any plugs you want to put in? Nah, man, I just want to say thank you guys for giving the opportunity, man. I always, you know, love talking, talking to my fellow Hokies, talking about the Hokies. So, you know, just thank you to you guys giving the opportunity. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks, man. Join, you can join us anytime. Yeah, sounds good. I definitely will check back in with you guys pretty soon, man, before the season starts or maybe during the season. We'll try to figure something out. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Luther Maddie, a.k.a. Big Lou, and you're listening to Inside the Tunnel. God, that's that was, perfect. That is so good. <laughs> Might just be our permanent <laughs> intro, honestly. <laughs> <laughs>